Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. I'm still stuck here on the island, uh, but that's okay. Although the watermelon and the pineapple diet is starting to get a little bit boring. But what isn't getting boring are the books that I've bought with me. And this week I'm going to share with you four more of my Desert Island 8 books. The first one is Evidence, 1944 to 1994, by Jane Livingston, David A. Ross and Richard Avedon. Published 1994 by Random House, 183 pages. This book was uh, published in conjunction with the 1994 retrospective of Avedon's work at the Whitney Gallery in New York, and it includes essays by Jane Livingston and Adam Gopnik, lavishly illustrated with over 600 iconic Avedon images. The exhibition then moved to the National Portrait Gallery in London, which I saw. And I spoke last week about that idea of emotional attachment with books. Well, I certainly have it with this one, with evidence, primarily because that exhibition for me was groundbreaking. And this is why. Because both shows recalled a much earlier evidence show that was held at the McCann Erickson Ad Agency in 1965 in which unframed photographs were tacked onto or propped up against the walls. They were crammed with images from floor to ceiling, with 20 by 16 inch prints jostling with contact sheets and huge blow-ups. And this was exactly what Avedon did at the National Portrait Gallery also. The idea for me was a deconstruction of what a photographic exhibition could be, and therefore that book is a reminder of that exhibition. Avedon owed this kind of graphic sense to his magazine training, and especially to the example of his first mentor and art director, the genius that was Alexei Brodovich. You have to check him out if you're not aware of Brodovich's work. Anyway, the exhibition and the way in which it was presented really stood in opposition to the Stieglitz Western tradition of fine art photography. And while Avedon clearly cherished museum ambitions, their fulfilment would have to be largely on his own terms. Anyway, 50 pages of the book Evidence, which, as I said, was kind of like a catalogue come book, although it was published as a hardback, are devoted to a chronology of his career, one year per page, which at least kind of usefully resituates many of the images in the context of his own published work. In a sense, this book is like an easier-to-carry, hold-and-engage-with version of Avedon's bigger book, Autobiography. Now, I have to admit, I have a copy of Autobiography, and I have to admit it's also signed by Avedon. But it's never come out of its box. It's too precious to me to kind of ever look through its pages or mark. I know that may sound crazy, but there it sits. Anyway, great book to check out. I think it's a fantastic introduction to Avedon's work. And if you're not interested in Avedon's work, well, I think that's a great shame. Whilst I'm sitting here on the beach looking out for passing boats, I'm also kind of flicking through one of the books which really introduced me to the idea that 
Fashion photography could be more than just taking photographs of dresses or clothes. The book is Appearances, Fashion Photography Since 1945 by Martin Harrison, published in 1991 by Rizzoli, 312 pages. Now, I bought this book when it first came out and I was an art director of magazines working with fashion photography and therefore it was particularly relevant to me. And I have to say that having looked at this book, it really encouraged me more to take risks. And it was at this point that I started to commission photographers such as William Klein and Leonard Freed and Jane Bowne and uh, McCullen. Uh, Jean-Luc C.F., who'd been very much forgotten about in the early 90s, and Abbas, the Magnum photographer, who I used to send uh, every year to cover the French uh, collections, the Paris uh, fashion collections. So this book for me was hugely influential. And before you start thinking, oh, it's a fashion photography book, I have no interest. I really recommend you try and search this book out and have a look at it, because I think it may well change your opinion about fashion photography. I hope it will. Anyway, this book is a definitive examination of fashion photography, but it demonstrate, demonstrates that the best of fashion illustrations, I think, are works of art with profound social and psychological implications. Martin Harrison discusses Diana Vreeland, Brodovich again appears, and other great art directors, and the commercial and artistic notions that have motivated the business of fashion photography. The photographers represented in this massive book include Avedon again, Penn from last week, Horst Scavulo, Newton, Parkinson, Weber, and Guy Bourdin. It was the first time I came across Guy Bourdin's work, uh, and Robert Maplethorpe and many others. Interestingly enough, uh, Martin Harrison is someone else who I think you you also need to know about. He's an art historian, he's British, um, he's an author and a curator, and he's noted for his work on photography outside of the fashion realms. He's also an expert on stained glass uh, windows in its history and an authority on the work of the painter Francis Bacon. In the 1960s, Harrison worked as a photographer's assistant at Vogue in the famous Vogue studio. So he was well coached in how that area worked. And he's also, as I said, stained glass uh, expert and curator of collections and exhibitions there. I think also what's really interesting about Martin is his other book, which also I haven't brought with me, but I think is a really important book to check out, which is his 1998 book, Young Meteors, uh, British Photojournalism, 1957 to 1965, which is a broad survey, which also discusses fashion photography in a sense. But its title is borrowed from Jonathan Aitken's 1967 book, The Young uh, Meteors, uh, which popular the term which other writers later applied to the photographers it covered without any mention of the book or its author. So Harrison encouraged also Lillian Bassman, who was another photographer who Brodovich brought um, to prominence at Harper's Bazaar to republish her fashion for, uh, photography after years which she'd kind of given up. And he also edited Early Colour, the collection of photography by uh, Saul Leiter, another really great book. So I highly recommend checking out Martin Harrison, but I also recommend checking out Appearances, even if you've got no interest in fashion photography.
it may seem as if I'm obsessed with photography that's appeared in magazines. Irving Penn, Richard Avedon, for example. But the books which I've chosen, I think, really cover lots of different areas. What is interesting, I suppose, if you're listening, is that I haven't chosen Avedon's In the American West or so many other photography books. Uh, Robert Frank's The Americans, for example. You know, great books, but not books which I personally return to again and again. But all of these books I've chosen, I do. And perhaps one of the most important books is our next book, W. Eugene Smith, The Camera as Conscience by Gilles Mora and John T. Hill, published 1998 by Thames and Hudson, 352 pages. I need not introduce Eugene Smith to you, but suffice to say that I think that this is the best book to introduce his work to anyone and everyone. Drawing upon the impressive Smith collection at the Center for Creative Photography in Arizona, Moore and Hill have created the ultimate Eugene Smith monograph, in my opinion. It's a complete monograph on the work of Eugene, one of the heroes of American photojournalism. Beginning in the 1930s, working for Newsweek and other magazines, he created subjective photo essays of lasting impact, drawing from Smith's own archives and including illuminated texts from historians and critics. This comprehensive volume features duotone reproductions of both famous and never-before-published images. Smith's Life magazine photo essays are represented by images created in the 1940s and 1950s, and among them is, of course, the landmark country doctor and Spanish village. Among his later independent works are the ambitious series on Pittsburgh and Haiti from the late 1950s, the poetic series of New York pictures taken from Smith's window, loft, with the great stories all around just that body of work, and excerpts from his unpublished photographic autobiography, The Huge Walk to Paradise Garden, and his last project, the disturbing 1970s Minamata on the consequences of industrial pollution in Japan. It's hard enough to talk about photography in a podcast and try and give you, give you the kind of the visceral sense of imaging, of image making, of the images themselves. It's even more difficult to give you a sense of a photo book. So I think all I can really do when it comes to Eugene Smith is to encourage you to look at his work. It's not hard to find his work. And if those images start to open up your eyes, or if you've forgotten them and go back into Eugene Smith, this book really shows the key works. But also what it does is it gives a fantastic chronological sense, a sense of journey uh, through Eugene's life with that added context. There are some great books around Eugene's work. Obviously, every separate project has its own book dedicated to it. And there's also a fantastic biography by Fred Hughes, Hughes, I should say, which I really recommend. But at this point on this island, all I need is that book of Eugene's to really take me into his tortured life, but also to inspire me to create amazing images.
There's still no sign of any boat on the horizon coming to save me, so maybe it's time I turn to my final book of the eight. And it's a beast of a book. Magnum Contact Sheets by Kristen Lubin, published in 2011 by Thames and Hudson again, at 524 pages. Now, when this book came out, I spoke to Kristen about the whole process, and she was a very organised kind of a person, and I think this book is a real kind of tribute to her approach to bringing it together. I have a few photography books that can lay claim to being truly groundbreaking, but from that sense of understanding narrative, that idea of bringing the contact sheets only into a book really does kind of break down barriers. It takes us uh, behind the curtain. It shows us what was happening either side of those images. And I think there is another theme to all of the books that I've brought with me to the island is that all of them provide narrative, all of them provide context, but also I think they all have an element of that lifting the lid on the magic of how things actually work. What was happening around the photographs? These photographs just didn't come out of nowhere. It's not just happen chance or happenstance. It's not just luck that these images are made. Anyway, this book um, addresses key issues and key questions of photographic practice. Why was the final image uh, chosen? Was the final image set up or is it a serendipitous encounter? Did the photographer work diligently to extract the potential from a situation? How much was the photographer manipulating that situation? Were they not manipulating it at, at all? Were they standing in one place and waiting for something to happen? Or were they running around and jumping around and trying to find that photograph? Is it the fabled decisive moment at play? And this book lays bare all of those creative methods. And of course, because each contact sheet is by a different photographer, the methods are different. So it really is. I mean, I've spoken about certain books in the, the last episode being Bibles. But if there is any Bible for photography, I think this one is it. I recommend every single student, everybody in photography should have a copy of this book. It rewards going back to again and again, as I've said, all of the books do that I've chosen. It also explains strategies and editing processes behind some of the really iconic images that we've all grown up with from Magnum photographers. Now, I've got a lot of Magnum photography books. In fact, I did at one time have an awful lot. And I got rid of a lot of them because I found them slightly repetitive and they've started to me to get to a point of existing without any real reason to exist. This book is not like the other books, in my opinion. This book is essential. And if nothing else, if that boat doesn't come, it's big enough that I may have to start fashioning a raft out of it to get away from this island.
alongside my eight photo books, which I think are going to keep me pretty busy and pretty inspired as long as I'm here, I've of course got the complete works of Shakespeare and the Bible. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to get on with the Bible. And the complete works of Shakespeare, well, I'll do my best. Unfortunately, I've already had to read a few of them at school, and that's enough to put anybody off of great work. But anyway, I've got one last thing. I can choose a luxury item. And of course, by now, you're probably thinking what he's going to go for is a laptop, perhaps, or something that every photographer should have with them at all times. A camera, maybe a smartphone that I could ring people and get off this island. Or maybe I think what I'll choose is a Swiss army knife. I think that one sounds like a useful luxury item. Anyway, whatever it may be, I think I'm going to get off this island at some point. Ahoy there, matey! Well, it sounds as if my rescuers have arrived. It's time for me to jump onto the pirate ship and head back to the shed. Normal service will hopefully be resumed next week. If I've piqued your interest in any of these books and you want to buy them, then please try and get them from an independent bookseller. I'm going to be taking care on that ship. Make sure you do over the coming week.